today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. This is uh, Opioid Awareness Day. Uh, we've had numerous discussions over the last number of years, of course, about the opioid crisis. And notwithstanding the fact that our focus right now is on COVID-19, as it should be, uh, since the impact it's had, of course, on the world, uh, the opioid crisis is not getting any better. As a matter of fact, according to Canada's Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Theresa Tam, it seems to be getting worse. We know that you cannot arrest your way out of an opioid crisis. It is escalating as we speak. Some of the gains that were made prior to COVID-19 have unfortunately been lost, including statistics coming out of uh, BC, Alberta, and many provinces showing that persons uh, who use substances, who use drugs, really negatively impacted as we are responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. So that is a public health priority. Dr. Theresa Tam, uh, just to put this in perspective, uh, province-wide Public Health Ontario reports 647 probable and confirmed opioid overdose deaths between January and April of this year. Uh, that's up from 624 the same period last year. And uh, Hamilton, of course, has numbers which are higher than the provincial average. The City of London is also struggling with this. Public Health Ontario says there were 30 opioid deaths in London and Middlesex County from January to April. Uh, that's up from 23 of the year before. Uh, th- by the way, they can't. it takes a long time to, to determine these stats, which is why you've only got January till April at this stage. Uh, probably close to the end of the year, we'll be able to get a better understanding on how those numbers are. So what do we do about this? It's an ongoing problem. Some cases a growing problem. Joining us to talk about this is Harseed Patel, who is a clinical pharmacist at Hamilton General Hospital. Uh, Mr. Patel, thank you so much for the time. I'm glad you could join us today. Thanks for having me. This is, uh, as we mentioned in our opening here, a, a problem that has not gone away. We're focusing on COVID, uh, understandably, uh, but we're struggling with this. And uh, boy, when it falls off the public consciousness, it's awfully hard to deal with this. Uh, and and uh, I don't know if that's the number, the reason the numbers seem to be going up in many different communities. What? How do you see that? What's your analysis of what's been happening over the last twelve months? I think I think it's a problem that's always kind of existed, and uh, COVID nineteen kind of took the spotlight uh, from the media on on what uh, would be important in terms of public health. But uh, overdoses overall in Hamilton, if you compare us to the rest of the province has been an issue for some time now. Every year since 2016, we've seen an increase in number of deaths, increased number of emergency department visits related to uh, overdoses, and majority of these being opioid overdoses. Uh, just uh, and, this and month alone, uh, we've, we've seen over uh, 75 visits to the emergency department related to overdoses. So that's a significant am- amount of patients coming to our emergencies because of an overdose. I, I, Dr. Tam's comments, I think, are, are, are very cogent to this conversation. He says, she said, you cannot arrest away the problem. Uh, there are still some people in, in this community, and I guess in, in other communities, that look at this as, well, they're criminals. I mean, what they're doing is illegal. Throw them in jail. Uh, that's, that's not really dealing with the problem, is it? Definitely not. Uh, and I think we also have to recognize that um, there are some patient, uh, pay people who do overdose and they are intended or unintentional overdoses, but there are also a number of people who overdose unknowingly. So if you, if you look at Canadian data, one in eight people in Canada get a prescription for opioids. And in Ontario specifically, if you look at the amount of patients that come in for an opioid overdose, 
about one third to one quarter of those patients end up having an opioid prescription. So they are not getting it from the streets. It's something prescribed to them. And it very well could be a unintentional overdose, someone who might have been on cancer therapy or other pain remedies and, and didn't take the drugs for a few days and then restarted at a higher dose can be susceptible to an overdose. So today isn't just about um, your 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 usual thing person that you think of for an overdose. It's about everyone who might be affected by overdose. And, and as we've found statistically, uh, you know, over the years that, that we've been talking about this on this program, uh, it, it, you would if if you wanted to characterize or draw a, a, a picture, a, comp, a composite picture of who and uh, somebody in his who might suffer from this, uh, you do so at your own peril. It's everybody. It's it's lawyers, doctors, uh, professional people, uh, people in the medical profession, people in every possession. It's it's not just you know people that are down and out on their luck and and have decided that they're going to try to get a hit. This covers just about every facet of our society and every facet of our community. Absolutely. It affects anywhere from pediatrics to the elderly and everyone in between. Um, there isn't a typical overdose patient. Uh, we have someone in mind that we think of, but that's not always true. Uh, there is a stigma attached to overdose. And I think today we work to kind of erase that stigma and kind of recognize people who we've lost or our family that we've lost or our friends uh, because of an overdose. Um, I, I think uh, at City Hall, the Hamilton sign tonight will be uh, dimmed in, in purple uh, to, to recognize uh, today and, and raise the awareness of an overdose and reduce that stigma. Oftentimes, it's, it's a, the, the, the addiction is an unintended consequence of, as you say, a, a practical use of, of these medications. Oftentimes, they're pain medications uh, post-surgery. I mean, we've got more and more joint replacements going on, as you say, cancer treatments, things of that nature. Uh, that people are dealing with, and uh, the the medicines that are being used for this, of course, are highly addictive, and and it's 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 an easy step for some people to fall into that addiction because of the reliance on on this to try to ease the pain and discomfort that they're in. Absolutely, when when we look at a number of patients who are coming in for addictions help, um, they they started off with maybe a, a fracture that that required some pain relief for the first week or so, and and then they were addicted because of how that made them feel and they needed that that kind of feeling again and, and unfortunately that's how a lot of patients do end up becoming addicted from, from a, a requirement to a, a need afterwards. From a community standpoint there have been a number of different things I mean counseling is part of this I know the premier was on record uh, as at first opposing uh, uh, safe injection sites and simply saying well, we want to cure those people uh, but there seems to be, I think, some conventional wisdom at this stage, isn't there, that uh, that those safe injection sites are not the panacea, they're not the end of the solutions, but it's a part of the solution? For sure. I think Hamilton has been very lucky to, to have a lot of resources uh, in our Hamilton public health and having safe injection sites and also getting uh, needle exchange programs. Um, that does help in, in reducing some of the the issues with having addictions um, and, and it's a venue for uh, healthcare professionals to to ask if the person needs help. Uh, it's not just about providing them with clean needles, it's about seeing if, if the person is ready for addiction help. Um, so it, it works very well that way. Our social workers in these fields are, 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 are amazing. Our, our addictions counselors in these areas are, are great at at uh, seeking uh, to see if, if people do need that help that uh, they might be ready for at some time. 
there's some uh, other things that we need to uh, think bring into the discussion, and it has been part of the discussion in the past, uh, is the idea of the safe injection sites. First of all, as you say, it's a safe environment for, for them to do this in needle exchange programs. In absence of that, of course, uh, there are a number of other afflictions that could f befall these people, uh, quite aside, even if they don't overdose, uh, using dirty needles or reusing needles or things of that nature opens up a whole different prob a set of problems, doesn't it? Absolutely. In the Merge, I've seen many uh, young patients who are affected by endocarditis because of using uh, using needles uh, that may not be clean. There, there's a risk of hepatitis. There's risk of uh, HIV. There's a lot of risk other than just overdose when you don't have a clean uh, environment or clean supplies when using uh, using uh, drugs. And, and having these clean injection sites and clean supplies is, is going to help with a lot of those other issues as well. There's, there's a, another consequence of the COVID thing that I found fascinating. I was doing some reading on this. And I was glad you were able to join us to talk about this. Uh, the, I'll just read a, a short couple of lines here from the, the report I saw. Uh, the pandemic, that being the COVID pandemic, has now driven up the cost of crystal meth on the street, which is driving some to use potentially tainted opioids, uh, including hyperpotent fentanyl and, and others like this. Uh, harm reduction workers have seen this. Uh, and, and, of course, what happens uh, is if you're buying this illegally, uh, you have no idea what you're injecting, do you? Exactly. You have no idea what you're injecting. And unfortunately, with the pandemic, we saw a shutdown in a lot of a lot of stores, but we also saw a, a reduction in, in usual um, dealers who, who might have been able to supply some some clean uh, narcotics or, or drugs in the street. And and unfortunately, that led to some supply that was tainted. Um, there was a, a large number of overdoses seen in the Ottawa area related to a uh, a unfamiliar supply uh, during the pandemic already. And, and some of the stuff, I mean, as bad as, as, as the oxycodone or the fentanyl, whatever it might be, uh, you know, the, there are people that will they'll cut this with other stuff. I mean, we've heard of, of you know, of bleach and a number of other uh, different things that have been mixed in there, too. And, and you just don't know, uh, which which is making a bad situation that much worse. Absolutely. You, you have no idea what's been mixed with the drug um, to potentially increase profits or increase addiction potential. Remember, the, the person selling it might want to create a high that's, that's a, a high that the person's never gotten before. So they may put in extra uh, fentanyl, for example, or, or, or other things to, to cut the drug. Um, it, it's not a reliable source. Uh, that leads to some issues. Uh, um, and I think in, in Vancouver, one of the ways that they're approaching that is to, to have available opioids uh, that are clean um, for, for patients who are addicted. I'm not sure what we are doing in, ha in Hamilton specifically related to that. I don't think we're there yet. Um, but uh, remembering that the drug supply is never um, what you think it is when it's from the street. Well, and you're getting into the air of dosage, and, and again, you know, if I receive a prescription for painkillers or whatever the case might be, uh, there's a limited amount, obviously, and maybe even a limited amount, if any, renewals on the prescription itself. But your, your point's well taken. There's also a dosage. You know, don't exceed. Take two pills per day. Don't exceed this. Uh, when you're buying something from somebody off the street, first of all, you don't know what it is, what's in it, uh, and you have no idea about dosage and how much you should be taking to achieve that. And as you're, you're right, I mean, I, I, we've heard stories from Hamilton police uh, where they'll actually put a, a higher than usual dose in there because they want to get that individual hook because they know they're going to come back. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, the, the ways of misuse of, of prescription drugs and non-prescription drugs are many. Uh, 
for prescription drugs, it's uh, taking higher than what's prescribed to you, taking drugs that are not prescribed to you, or taking them at the wrong time, so taking them more often. But uh, ways of abusing street drugs are much, much uh, easier to do because we don't know what's in them. There isn't someone telling you you should take this much only. Uh, it's really you're up to up to taking it yourself, uh, and unfortunately it may, may mean taking it by yourself during the pandemic. And and we're hoping that uh, if patients are out there, they're they're using with other other people, uh, so that they're not alone, and uh, that they also have a naloxone kit available to them uh, um, in case they do get into trouble. Uh, and I know we we've mentioned this before, but for, for people to find themselves in that that precarious situation. Uh, where they overdose or they see or with somebody who overdoses. Uh, 911 is, is the thing to do. I know some people are afraid of arrest, but police have assured us, and we've seen this on the street, uh, when they respond to a call like that, the first thing is to save lives. Uh, and Loxon is, is a part of that, but it's not uh, it's not an antidote, is it? It just it, What it does is gives you time to get to the proper uh, help that you need. Yeah, if the person has overdose on an opioid, it, it is considered an antidote, but unfortunately, it stays in your system for a very short amount of time, so less than five minutes usually. And the overdose of an opioid tends to stay in your system for for much longer than five minutes, so the person can re-arrest. Now, you may mention a good point about uh, a being uh, 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 being under arrest or, or, or being in trouble because you're with someone who's overdosed. There is something called the Good Samaritan Act, that does mm-hmm. protect anyone who's called 911 against prosecution. So it, it will protect whoever has called 911 for an overdose, uh, and, and the police would not be able to uh, to arrest you or or, or um, get you in any kind of trouble related to the overdose. Another important factor in this, because I, as you say, an awful lot of the time the addiction uh, stems from from the use of painkillers, and and uh, you know we we can't ban these things. I mean, painkillers do play a role in in medical procedures and in the recovery from some of these medical procedures, or as you mentioned, cancer treatments and so many other things. Uh, but you know, abuse of the, of those uh, medications obviously can send us down a slippery slope. What, if anything, is the medical profession doing to try to find alternative ways so so the, the, to to lessen the impact or lessen the possibility uh, of, of of using these things and maybe even to the point of abusing them? Yeah, I, I along with uh, some other. Uh, Pharmacists at Hamilton Health Sciences have been working with our surgery teams and, uh, and and the organization to look at reducing the amount of prescriptions for opioids that we we give out uh, related to any procedure. So there 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 used to be a time when we would give out you know a week two weeks worth of narcotics for uh, a fracture. There are some new guidelines that state that no more than than five days or or even less would be required for for opioids during a fracture treatment. So so we're looking at guidelines. We're looking at what is the minimum amount of time that someone should be on narcotics for a procedure and going with those guidelines. And and part B, I guess, is, is the follow-up is, okay, you know, it's it's stepping down, not increasing the uh, the dosage and the, uh, you know, and, and hopefully that's going to increase the efficacy of the medication too. Exactly, exactly. There are other drugs that can be taken other than, than opioids for pain relief and then look, looking at all those other options as well. If somebody finds himself in, in a situation where they say, look, I'm, 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 I think I'm starting to get hooked here. Uh, I'm, I'm not there yet, but, I, I'm, I, you know, the, the minute I take these or the one time I forget to take these, these pain medications, I go downhill very quickly. So I'm, I'm stuck. I'm, I'm relying on these more than I probably should. Uh, what's that first step? What should they be doing? 
I think if it's something that's prescribed to you, I think having that conversation with the prescriber and going, you know what, these are drugs that are working for me, but unfortunately I'm finding that I'm relying on them and I'm becoming dependent on them. Um, and if, if that conversation gets started, I'm, I'm sure all healthcare professionals will direct you to some addictions help that's available in Hamilton. Uh, there are a number of uh, Hamilton Public Health uh, programs there for addictions help. So good that you could join us today. I, I know that this, as I say, in the, the, the swirl that we have with COVID-19 and the related concerns and, of course, the back to school and the sec- and a, a possibility of a second wave, et cetera, et cetera, it, it dominates the news cycle, certainly, and I think it's dominating an awful lot of our thoughts these days. But uh, but opioid addiction is something that has not gone away, and we've heard some tragic stories. And we've done roundtables, of course, on this program over the years and heard from social workers, from people in the, in the medical profession, and certainly from law enforcement who uh, are all on the same page. And I'm glad you brought that point up, Harsid, that, uh, that police and everybody else are working together to try to defeat this and, and to try to lessen the impact that, uh, that opioids are having on our society. Uh, it's an uphill battle, certainly, but I think the more we talk about it, the better chance we have of, of tackling this. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for the time today, Harsid. We'll uh, continue good luck with the work that you and your staff are doing down at Hamilton General. Thank you. Take care. Harsi Patel, who is a clinical pharmacist at Hamilton General Hospital and doing a great deal of work on uh, trying to mitigate the damage of opioid abuse and, and addictions that have gone on. And uh, that's a, a sad, sad problem. And, you know, we've talked about the number of people that are impacted and, and the, the way that they are impacted. And it's ruined lives. It's ruined marriages. It's ruined careers. And uh, it's something that we have to, as a community, uh, work together uh, to try to lessen those numbers. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.